Boys and girls, moms and dads, welcome to Pin to Pin the Volleyball Podcast. My name is Ryan Tolman. I'm your host. I'm joined tonight by Danger Will Robinson, the co-host to my right. We've got our, our producer behind the screen back. I'm back, guys. He's back from his, uh, his hiatus to California. And, uh, and then we've got ourselves a guest today. So we're going to go ahead and get this show rolling. And, uh, and then we're going to introduce our guest. He's sitting here in the middle thinking, man, when am I going to get my turn? But here we go. We didn't include Andrew in the well, high five like we did Chris. We'll do it after we do an introduction. It's of really him. tough. It is. The high five's tough, Andrew. You got I'm a lot of pressure. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let me, let me introduce our guest today and then we'll get into to what we're going to talk about. Um, our guest today is Andrew Yamashiro. He is my favorite Japa Wainese. What's a Japa Wainese? Yeah, so that's a great question. Uh, the origin <laughs> of this is very important. So Andrew and I, we started coaching together a long time ago. Andrew's one of our coaches at Aspire, and he's coached at Hamilton and Higley and Mountain Point. And am I missing anywhere else in between? Everywhere. Everywhere. Uh, Benedictine yep. in Mesa. Literally everywhere. Yeah, he's been, been Chandler around. Chandler Gilbert. Chandler Gilbert, oh, that's right. Um, so Andrew and I started coaching together... Gosh, seven years ago, eight years ago, twenty sixteen. I think been a minute. Was it, that's only five, six years ago? It was a while. Anyways, we probably when did need to Rach that have out. to depart? Wasn't that when he took over? And you yeah, when my sister was so, so I don't just. I need to remember how old my nephew is, and that's bad. So he's probably like, oh, yeah. uncle doesn't know how old I am. But um, seven, six or seven years ago, yeah. and and so just getting to know Andrew, you know, hey, you know, where are you from? You know, whatever. And I guess I must have asked at some point, where's your family from? He says, well, I got some Japanese and some Hawaiian and some Chinese. I'm like, oh, that's a Japanese right there. <laughs> so uh, it stuck. And I actually uh, learned, I didn't know you're the one that coined that phrase. Absolutely. He was. Yeah. yeah. Right before this podcast, I learned that. <laughs> I thought it was some so, other, other guy that came up with it. Yeah. Thank you very much. I, I am a, uh, the coiner of the phrases, apparently. Uh, it's one skill that I didn't know I had. Um, but Andrew's going to join us today. We're going to talk about volleyball i know it gets crazy every time we talk about it but we are called um, the pin to pin volleyball so, podcast yeah right right before we get to that though andrew let's finish your introduction because we just threw out all those places where you coached you you went to high school at hamilton where yep. you all were that's out in chandler by the way two-time reigning state champions on the girls side they're doing they're doing great things and yeah. you were part of that staff too right help those girls yeah the second year second year okay um when did you start playing? We do this with everybody, right? So we, we might as well mm -hmm. do it. Andrew, when yeah, did you no, start really playing important. volleyball? So I started playing volleyball in seventh grade. And my dad told me, he's like, hey, uh, basketball might not be your future because tall people need to play basketball. <laughs> smart dad. Then he's <laughs> really like, smart dad. He also said that not all tall people are playing volleyball. Was yeah. he a liar? Yeah, there's also, also tall person sport. I, I trained myself <laughs> to set and play back row. And then I was like, oh, I'll be a great volleyball player. But Hamilton was not in its prime back then like it was when we were in. Who was your first coach? My first coach. I don't even remember his name. Honestly. Middle school, right? Yeah. yeah seventh I mean, grade. And he was sorry. At, no, at Hamilton. At Hamilton. Sorry. My yeah. first high school coach was Michelle Lefevre. And okay. she was the first. We went through a, like a tough phase, essentially. We went to like freshman year. We had a coach. Second year, we had a different coach. And then third year, it was finally Bader. Okay. Jeff so Bader. Did Vanis, Jeff but Bader. Vanis helped out on the boys' so side, didn't she? Vanis helped out. My, Vanis, the head coach of the girls, 
Sharon, uh, Sharon Vanis. Sharon Vanis, yeah. Yes, very, out very successful coach. Our second year there. So my in 20, 2008, she was the JV coach. We were all super stoked. We thought she was going to be our head varsity coach. Yeah, and then she's JV. And then she was JV, and we were like, oh, my God, what do we do? <laughs> and like, Jordan. It's all just going JV. Yeah. <laughs> well, so literally, we would go to varsity practice, and she started about a half an hour later. Uh-huh. So half the varsity team would literally leave varsity practice and finish. And we'd be like, all right, let's go train with coach Vanis now and get some meaningful reps. (laughs) And like, she's like, as long as you guys work hard, you guys can join practice. And it was like the best thing for us. Yeah, sure. Well, she's great. I mean, if, if anybody's going to teach young volleyball players how to play hard. Oh yeah. You're right. She's great at that. Okay. So then at what point did you realize you wanted to coach? So funny story about that. I never thought I was going to coach. I don't think I know this story, so I'm excited. I, right I now. don't think I ever thought I was going to coach coming out of high school. There was things that I was always like good about, like rotations and things like that. Like I used to call teams out of rotation all yes, the time. You're definitely cracked at that. Except and, for that one time against that Matrix team that we could never find out. Hey, we figured out the second time. <laughs> it took the us forever. The second time. Right. And then, but we got into the point where it was like, okay, well, Jordan asked me if he wanted to, if I wanted to help out with JV, cause I wanted something to do over the weekdays. And he's like, you can just sign up as a volunteer and coach at Hamilton for fun. So that's Jordan Bader. Co- yep. So Jeff Bader's son, Jeff Bader's was coaching son there at the time. And then Jeff was like, Hey, I don't have assistant. And Jordan recruited me and my other friend, AJ to coach as just for fun. Right. And then he's like, Andrew, you're moving up to varsity. You're my assistant now. That is at how 19 or whatever, 19 years old. I was the assistant at varsity coach at Hamilton. And I just sat there and I was like, all so right. So it's 2010? Yeah. Or no, no, that's 2009. It, been, it was, de- no, it was December of 2010. Okay. The first year was 2011, but got we got it. super fortunate because like that was the first year we, 2010 we was the first year we were decent. 11 was, we was the first the year map. we ever made playoffs. Yeah. In the school history, which is well, crazy. Tawabater, right? Well, that oh, was my senior year. Twins. So that's when oh, we had okay. Don Dia. Oh, got it. <laughs> and then, <laughs> Springy young man. And then 2011, we kind of just took the state by storm. Like we finished up, I think like 16 and one, 17 and one, something like that. Crazy. And then, but we had the, we got fortunate because we got Sage Gonzalez that first year. Sage, great model player. As a freshman. He better be listening to this dude. Uh, (laughs) I will make sure. I will make sure. Make sure. Sage, if you're listening, you got a comment. But we got super fortunate. I mean, he was one of the most. Volleyball ready freshman of all, Sage, of all time. Yeah. Sage is probably the best volleyball player I've ever coached against. Yeah. I, I just inflated his ego a ton, right? But <laughs> he doesn't have an ego. <laughs> that's the best, does, probably yeah, why it was so that's good. Right, yeah. Absolutely. No, yeah. so that's kind of how it started. And then we sure. had we got a bunch of good kids like Manny Baca came in yeah, as yeah. like a junior out of nowhere, played decided he's like, I'll, I'll play club and then play on varsity. He and then a, we, he was that big as a house. Yeah. And Mike McPherson, Mike McPherson, bunch of really Talibater good players. And Kevin yeah, Gorns. Gorns uh huh. Zach yeah. Melcher, young Zach Melcher. Yeah. No, that's pre Zach Melcher. That was the twins. We had the oh, twins yeah, yeah, then the twins, yeah. and they were both really good DSs. We had Ron Wanto who was a good mm-hmm. DS. I mean, that's we cool. were loaded defensively. That and that, year. that, that'll certainly excite you a young hooked. coach, right? Yeah, yep. It'll get like, you hooked. You're, you're, you're like, I don't know if I want to coach. And all of a sudden you're coaching great players. You're thinking, this is cool. This is easy. Winning's easy. Wow. <laughs> we just win all the time. 17. I'm good at this. <laughs> yeah, <right? laughs> well, I knew like when I got in there, it was more of like, 
hey, I need you to set the other side when like the, yeah, the DS it. is coming were, in. I was like, when I was playing coaches, yeah, 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 I had to play and set against them. And mm-hmm. then, you know, you kind of give them, you, you could, you know, the guys, cause those are all the guys that you grew up with and stuff. So like right. they were juniors and senior sophomores and freshmen when you were a senior. So you're like, you can have these heart to heart conversations with them and they'll probably listen to you. Yeah. Like different, Bader, totally even, different level. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like they loved Bader, but it was like, right. Hey, it's not going to relate the same as a young sure. guy who's good friends with you guys. So, uh, so then when did you start coaching at Aspire? Cause I, I that's not where he started club, dude. His club was well, his hilarious. Okay. Oh. But okay. So let's like, let's start. Yeah, there, dude, okay? it's, you got to know so, his background. I started club at Voss, the YMCA Voss. <laughs> Dude, I, I swear. You know? Yes, I know. All, I live with them, man. I know, but did you know that Club Voss was started by me? Oh, well, not the Awatuki one? Yeah. Yeah, that's I where was, I coached at. You, after I left. After you left. Because so I, I remember Deb came to me and she said, we want to start this volleyball thing. Are you willing to do this? And I said, sure, this is great. I would love to do that. The idea was to provide opportunities for kids to play that weren't necessarily good enough to go play it seems out of these yep. bigger clubs. Like EVJ at the time was having they were they were cutting hundreds of kids cuz I mean they were massive and and there just wasn't enough places for them yep. to play and so Voss was this supposed to be every YMCA was going to have this this semi club team they weren't really going to travel was still going to have an opportunity. Yeah. And I helped organize the whole thing and and the, the vision and all that. And then, a, and then a year after that, I got a phone call from Aspire and they're like, Hey, you want to come? Sure. Coach Fall. I was like, yeah, it's, it's done. It's much easier. You're going to pay me the same. Like, I don't need, I don't need the headaches, all this other stuff. Right. So, so you started at Voss. Started at Voss under Deb Rothstein. Out in the, out in Awatuki. Awatuki. So originally I coached and Jordan and AJ, my buddy, both got coaching jobs there just because it was on an ad or something like that. And then I was like, well, if there's anything, let me know. So the only thing left was a 17s job, but they didn't have the court space. So we practiced at 5:30 a.m. Yeah, that oh, was. Oh my God, what? No, yes, that was the problem. That was the problem I had too. I'm mean, like, I. This it, is how it starts. Volleyball was just like this back burner. So basketball over there at the YMCA. Yep, 5:30. They only had the two courts, and so yeah, I remember thinking I had to go over there, and I was driving 30 minutes to get to Awatuki to have that practice, and it was a nightmare. I'm like, I can't do this anymore. I can't sustain this. <laughs> yep. That's another reason why I left. Like, I'm going to get paid the same. I can practice at night. Like, so how long did you stay at Voss? So I was there for two years. I had this group of like, so I helped with the 17s. And then the next, with that, I also like would show up to Jordan's practice. These are girls or girls? girls. Okay. So this was during my high school season. I don't think they ever did boys after my year. No, they did not. My first, because they, they, we were like the test dummies with boys. And then after that, they were like, we don't (laughs) want boys anymore. So. I stayed with the group that we had. So we kind of had like this group added a couple kids, but all those kids afterwards, like I think eight out of the 10 that we had all ended up like making ones, two ones and twos teams around. That's crazy. They just needed a place to start for you boss. Well, like four of them, like (laughs) I think like two of them actually went up to aspire to play on their ones team. And we're like, Oh, okay. Well, we're we're pretty good at this. (laughs) Well, luckily they were like 12 year olds who haven't quite figured it out yet. But then you were like, okay, they're going to be pretty good volleyball players. So two years at Voss, then I went, so I went to Mesa High to coach their freshman and JV team. Dude, I, I, I Dude, guess I should ask more questions. Yes. I feel like a terrible friend at this point. So <laughs> we went to, to Voss, or not Voss, sorry, Mesa High. I Who was, was there. coaching at Mesa? So Amy Strawn hired me okay. over at Mesa High. And then I coached their freshman team the first year, the JV team the next year. And then as I coached the freshman and JV, I coached a club team from Mesa High. Got it. So it was all Mesa kids. 
And then after that, and this is still just girls. You haven't even coached boys yet. Well, he coached boys except the Hamilton. Hamilton. Right, right, right. Hamilton yeah. You know, in Fuego yet? I coached in Fuego for the third year. So I didn't start. I just kind of like was working a side job and it was mm-hmm. whatever. And then I eventually was just like, Oh, Bader, if you have an extra team, he's like, I'll have you coach with Jordan. It'll be our 17th team. And then we did it for like three years, I think when I was there. Okay. And then I just, when that came through, it was like, the next year is when I finally was like, okay, I'm going to try and coach somewhere. Jordan already had a job with Vanis right. at Aspire. And I was like, look, if you want to coach you, we can get you a job as our 14 fives coach coaching Fridays and Sundays. So I was oh, like, dude, that's, that's the gig. Crazy. That's the yeah. best gig ever. I, I, in the door. I signed up for it and I was like, yeah, I'll do it. Whatever. And, 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 and I don't even remember how it happened. Honestly, that you jumped in with me because my sister was coaching with me. And well, we were sitting at was, tryouts and I was coaching the 16 threes that year, or okay. which we turned into the 17 twos because okay. we had some juniors that were pretty good. Okay. Oh, I remember that. And then I was like, you were, I remember t- you talking to Scott, like, I don't know how much Rachel's going to be there because right. she she's pregnant sick. And, yep. and sick. She always got sick. When yep. She was pregnant. And then I was like, well, what days are your practices? And you're like seven to nine Monday, Wednesday. I was like, well, I have nothing those days. So That's maybe worked out great. And then I was like, well, I kind of need to like do stuff. So if you need an extra player, cause you only have 11, I'll play. And then it yes. ended up being, Hey, we want to just assist for me the full time. Cause perfect. Th- that it was, was great. The, the, like group you went to 16 Patriot with in New Orleans, correct? No, no 16 American, 16 American okay. that you coached with me. Cause he couldn't be there. No, no that was that's the Andy. Time. That's the next year. Oh my gosh. This is the, yeah, this yeah, is yeah, the Jordan Schumacher. Uh, Jordan Kylie Schumacher. Thompson. And then the middle from Campo Tatum, something. Tatum, Adams. Tatum, Tatum, Adams. There they, okay. Uh-huh. Now we're on the same page. It all blends together. Yep. It does. All right. Does. Well, that's quite the history. Everybody, everybody started from the, like, the Voss. Now we're here. It's crazy. Right. That's awesome. Um, so Andrew's with us today and uh, we're going to talk, we're going to deep, we're going to dig deep into some volleyball stuff. Before we do that though, we want to shout out a couple of people. We, we, we teased last episode that we were going to shout out our donors. We have two of them. We, we, and we're going to run a promotion. Hopefully we get more. We got some stuff to pay for, um, you know, just to try to hopefully at least break even. Noah, what's up? No, it looked like you want to say something. Oh, did you want to do your trivia question now? We got to get better at the segment thing. We can, yeah. Well, we we were in the middle of talking about the donors. Yeah, let's do that, and then we're, and then we're going to start a new segment called Trivia Noah's Trivia of the Day. We need a better ADHD name. HD at its finest. Right I know there, it's all over the place. All right, so uh, our first donor ever, first guy that ever gave us money, Dobson alum, awesome, awesome young man. His name is Dylan Cox, and I. I admittedly don't know why he doesn't live in Arizona anymore. He likes playing beach volleyball too much. Yeah. So he did the, the flight attendant gig and that allowed him to travel and still see his friends and family. He's all over the country now, but based in Chicago, based in Chicago, he's moving to Miami though in March, April. Okay. April. I think he's a, he's a phenomenal beach volleyball player. He's doing a good job. Coached a year at Basha. I remember Done some coaching or whatever, but, um, coached at storm for a little. Okay. He, he came to uh, one of our aspire practices. I walked in just, just over break. And when he was here in Arizona, I walked in and Garrick was setting my son, Garrick was setting him. And I walked over and Garrick's like, dad, this guy's really good. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, well, yeah, he's, he's older, right? <laughs> he started, he started volleyball his junior year of high school. It's crazy. Got cut from the baseball team. And he went to Dobson, went to Dobson, showed up in our gym and he just put him in the middle. Yeah. With a headband. With a headband. It's awesome. You guys got to look this highlight <laughs> video up. It's great. He, he definitely blocked Sage Gonzalez for sure. Sage probably didn't see him coming. 
He the only way you get saved. I'm sure he does. <laughs> so Dylan Cox, our first, our first donor. Uh, thank you, Dylan. We we really appreciate that. Noah, where's the the clap? Yeah, button? the clap, clap. Come on, Noah. There Yay, it is. Perfect. Dylan. Okay. That's it. And then and then and we got a second donor. This is guy. I have no idea who this is, but I think you two do. He, so oh, he messed us up in high school. So our second donor. This came out of nowhere. Is is John Sheen. John graduated from Desert Relative Vista. Of Charlie Sheen, probably not. Okay, graduated from Desert Vista in two thousand and nine. He was on. He was a sophomore on our state championship team in two thousand seven. He played played right side on that team, and he was a, he was not a good right side. I'm just going to throw it out there, John. Sorry, buddy. I'm Thanks throwing for you the under donations. The bus. Throwing Appreciate you the money. <laughs> sophomore John Sheen was was not very good. We won despite having a very inexperienced right side Proctor player. Can help with that for sure. Yeah, more of a setter, and then junior and senior he set, and he was phenomenal. Phenomenal. I think he he was one. Do of, we have a picture of this? Yeah, guy? he's on the state championship back there, number two. So to the, see the trophy, go to the oh, left. There, there he is, is right there, John Sheen. Okay. Yeah, John, uh, his senior year recorded a quadruple double. Oh, well, Hakeem Olajuwon. Yeah, it was it was the 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 the, the difficult quad digs assists kills kills aces. and aces. Now, this dude got ten blocks. Of you know, you know. <laughs> um, that's you get impressive. the five here. Really impressive. John Sheen's great. Great volleyball player. Um, uh, you guys got to tell this John Sheen story though. The them this so, ring. So I, we, it's hilarious. We win in two thousand seven, and you know Jostens comes and they get they got the ring for you and everything, and we're real excited to de- decorate these rings and everybody gets their ring except for John. And I remember getting an email back in oh seven like, hey, you know everybody's picked up their ring except for John Sheen. I was like, I, I probably told him I don't know a half dozen times, buddy, you gotta go get your ring. I never went and got it. I don't know why. I don't know if he didn't want to pay for it or just didn't care. I don't know. And then next thing you know, Andrew's designing a ring. Was it at Higley? For Higley, yeah. Higley. Yeah. So Andrew's state champion in what year was that? 2018. 2018 state champion at Higley High School coaching the boys team. Yeah, it's behind Will. They're hiding behind Will. And um, they're designing rings with Justin's and John's is a is an example. Example ring. ring. <laughs> like, yeah, we took a picture really. <laughs> Inscribed in the middle and inside probably and everything. And so, John, if you're wondering, Justin still has your ring. We probably could get it for you, buddy. It'd be a cool thing. So anyway, those are our two, our first two donors. We appreciate you guys. We would love. Yep. There's another clap. We would love some more. So, so to, because they're our first two donors, they got the big, long shout out, the introductions, all that stuff. Um, lifelong answered questions. You guys can ask a question anytime you want. We'll answer on the next 100%. episode. And then uh, we're gonna we're gonna send you uh, the first ever pin to pin T shirt. We're coming out with some merch, um, and we will get that in the mail to you guys. Not not too long. Dylan, in we're the not future. mailing it to Chicago. You're just gonna fly out. We'll here. have to wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah we'll yeah, hold it till you get here. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be sometime <laughs> um, next week. And then we're gonna run a promotion here, right? Promotion. So, yeah, yeah, promotion. Um, so if you donate, and the donation button is on our website. Uh, you can find that through wherever you find your, your, your podcast, Apple, Google, all that stuff. We'll put a link on our YouTube page. Um, and then you can find the donate button. It's just a Venmo. And for $3, you can get a shout out on the show. I know it's crazy. People are going to donate like wild. They're just going to $3, $3. If, if someone actually just donates three dollars that'll be hilarious three dollars is just great three. it's easy just right yeah. i'm expecting i'm expecting my mom to donate you hear that mom at least three dollars she already got her <laughs> she shout got out, a free, <laughs> shout out. <Dang> so, <laughs> free shout out 
$5 gets you a shout out and then we'll answer a question on the show. So you're going to have to make sure you put a, add a question in the Venmo when you donate and then we'll answer your question. And then $20 gets you the shout out, the question, and then the pin to pin t-shirt. So Just everything we are very excited for, uh, for our donations coming up. All right, let's get, let's get into the volleyball. We've, we've, we've talked a lot about who Andrew is. So now he has credibility. You guys can listen to what he has to say because it's really good stuff. So today we've talked a lot about positions and how to get started in volleyball, what to look for. I mean, it's just a bunch of stuff, obviously. Right. But, um, today we're going to, we're going to dive into what's what we think is Andrew's biggest asset as a coach, his bread and butter. Yeah. Like yeah. he said, <laughs> um, Andrew has a unique ability on any given day to coach a 12 year old girl and an 18 year old boy, senior or girl, senior or yeah. whatever, like an 18 year old senior. Um, and that's not easy to do. And so today we're going to talk curriculum and, and this is something that we've, I don't, I don't think this is unique to us obviously, but we've developed over the years, a curriculum that we share with our coaches that we want them to, to try to gauge where their kids are at, right? As teachers, as educators, you, you know, you use standards and curriculum to get your kids to a certain point. We, we, we see that as being very valuable on the volleyball court with our coaches. So we're going to start with, we'll go, we'll go each skill, um, serving, passing, setting, hitting, blocking, digging. And then we're going to go from emerging proficient and mastery. So 13s and 14s, 15s, 16s, up to 17s and 18s, where we feel like you should master the skill. Um, and so then Andrew, what we want kind of from you is to jump in here and, and talk about maybe some of the things that you look for, the, some of the things that you coach, like when you get a kid in a, in a lesson or whatever, and on your team, how do you kind of attack these things? So let's start with serving. Maybe not. And this is the interesting part. I don't, maybe not a lot of people know the, the depth that you can really get into with some of this volleyball stuff. Right. So there's two kinds of serves. What are they? There's more than just two. There's two kinds of, okay, basic two okay, kinds of serves. Okay, a float and a, a spin. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So we got two of yeah. those. And then there's two kinds of floats. A stand float, jump float. So yep. we're going to talk about basically what those look like. So Andrew, when you get a kid um, early on, what are some of those things from the serving standpoint that you're looking for? Um, It just depends. When we get kids, it's dependent on their skill level, obviously. We get, I mean, I train kids anywhere from like, 12 year old obviously to like could be a 13 ones kid 13 twos 13 threes whatever and so when you get these kids you kind of have to gauge where they're at already right and their skill standpoint and their strength is the biggest thing at young ages you guys it's tough to see like you get into a, a serving rap with them and they're like wow this kid does not have the strength to serve a ball at all yeah i have a 13 year old right now who is like beginning of the season she's six feet tall but probably the skinniest person on our team yeah. could barely hit it to our own 10 foot line and off a serve. But you, you kind of have to train it and just say, well, let's look at the skill. Let's train them as if they're going to create a skill. And then we're going to say, if you err, you err. We mm -hmm. don't care about the errors. We care yeah. about the form check. And then strength comes as you give them hundreds and hundreds of reps. And that's where the, the reps come with feedback, right? Is why we do lessons. And that's kind of what you guys right. talked about is you want very specific feedback. So a kid will be super upset for about a week, probably a couple weeks of lessons. And then they they hit those first one, two, three, three in a row, four in a row. You should have seen this kid's face when she hit three in a row. It was like Christmas, right? So yeah. when you're hitting skills, it's more of, can we build technique and where's their technique at? Like, 
you'll see a lot of kids who like try and shot put the ball rather than just swing through the ball, right? Right. So you're looking at kids here. You can't give a defined standpoint, but you can gauge a kid based on their athleticism, how much they've already played volleyball. All those things tip are huge into dictating whether is this kid ready to jump float? Is this kid a standing float serve kid? Or are we just trying to create fundamentals so they can just serve the ball over right. the net? <laughs> how do you know when to to go from a stand float to a jump yeah, float that was my to next a question. jump spin right. to a hybrid? Like, how do you yeah, know? Yeah. So with like... Because you have to have a baseline there absolutely. somewhere, right? So I think when you can successfully tell a kid, hey, I want you to stand float, ball comes out flat and clean all the time. So you're saying ball doesn't spin, driving to you can drive it anywhere from probably close to end line to the 10 foot line. You can move it ball at least to from five, six and one. So your deeper zone serves. I think that's usually a, t a time where you're like, all right, maybe we should start working on your jump float. And, and I've got girls on my 15s team right now that are stand floaters because they, they lose the consistency, right? You, they haven't quite gotten the proficiency in the stand float to move to maybe the jump float, right? Absolutely. We'd like them at 13s, 14s, girls and boys to, to get to the point where they are jump floating, right? You're a mm -hmm. little bit more aggressive from that service line. Uh, and then, and then, so once we get to that point, we go to the jump float, what are we looking for at, at that point from the, from the jump floats standpoint, like where, how are we looking for proficiency there? So we're looking for when we attack the jump float, it's more of a, can we hit that ball flatter and cleaner than your jump? If you're standing floats are right. Mm -hmm. You've, I mean, if you have 15s kids who are stand floating, right, you're going to see that kid be like. That kid, that kid is float serving a ball faster with a standing float than a jump float. Right. So you're trying to gauge, can this kid hit a ball faster with their jump float and keep the ball in play or at least attack the end line really well, right? Sure. So we're trying to see, can I hit, get this kid to be a little bit more, because some of them need that little bit of extra speed to, or jump power to really push that ball to the end line. So when you're looking at it, you're saying, okay, is this kid creating more power or less power with their jump flow? And then that's when you kind of gauge, is this worth it or not? Right. Okay. So now boys versus girls. Boys that jump spin, right? Now the boys are starting would would want to jump like you, at some point most boys all of, all of them want mm -hmm. to right yeah girls rarely get to that you rarely see a girl who's back yeah. there just with a gnarly top Cole spin. Peterson yeah. that's the one that comes to mind right. she well, cranks that man or if we had like Tatum Parrot if we want yeah. didn't want to save her shoulder the whole season she could have been gnarly at yeah. a top yeah. spin so you don't have a lot of that but boys certainly do at what do you do you are you able to identify or how are you able to identify kids that maybe should take that next step, boys that should take the next step and, and, be, and try to become jump spinners. I think when you look at kids who are, when you warm up, right, a lot of what my go-to jump, like warm-up drill is self-toss to attack, right? When they can start self-tossing to attack, a back row attack and actually create spin on the ball, they're wailing it to a wall or whatever. That's when I'm like, all right, this is great. Because then we see spin, let's step them back a little bit, give them more court to work with. And that's when they can start actually forming the ball. Now the, the question becomes when you sit there and you're saying, do I want a, an elite jump server or a good jump server right now? Because in Arizona right now in high school, there's probably three, two elite jump servers in our state for boys, yeah. give or take. And then when we, you say, well, if we're just looking for good jump servers to get that that different look or a non-float look, because you right. need that in boys volleyball. Yeah, the variety helps on the end line. Absolutely. So you can have kids who are jump serving, but in reality, is it hitting that 50 
50 plus mark or is it a coach's down ball yeah <laughs> that's the million right. dollar question right <laughs> so, so how, how do you oh go did you have a question i didn't say oh anything. i thought i can't hear you no, you're good andrew oh, so my <laughs> question that's all over the place how do you train that what like what are some things that you if i, I want to have an elite jump server what are some things that you're looking for in training and, and, and what are, what are your key points that are, that are going to help these kids get to that, that stage? And well, you can jump in as well. I think for me, it's a lot of how you train kids to attack a ball. So are they creating a ton of torque when they're hitting? Are they open to close? Are they doing all this external to internal rotation? Those are so many things that play into just attacking itself. If you can get a great attacker and teach them how to do it on the net, I think you're able to do it on an on, on end line, be, right? Right. Yeah. But a lot of kids are like, I did a lesson today with a girl who has a great arm and she is always behind her. The ball's always behind her. And she, when she goes up, she can crack it, but it's going to be, wow, you could probably crack a topspin serve probably better than a front yeah. row attack so right you now. You go up a little yeah. bit. Right. Right. So it's just, I think it depends on how you train the kid is going to be the same way as you do on the net as if you're a topspin serving jump floating is obviously a little bit different. But when you get into that topspin serve, it's if they, you can train a kid to attack, you can just tell them how to place the ball comparatively to you mm-hmm. to make it more effective. Will, you got anything to add there? I mean, what are you looking for I think from that training standpoint? When it comes to the ages of when a kid needs to get this, if I coach 16s, right. they have to know how to jump spin. And I know that's not what you asked, but... I think that's, that's no, that's a good point. Yeah, like in for girls, if you can't jump float at 15, you're behind probably. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. Except the fact that there are some elite stand floaters in yeah. all levels. Yeah. I, I, you, you do see it. And you, and if you see it at the NCAA level, it's usually the kid that sits 20 feet back. Oh, they just bomb serve. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Wisconsin is known for having one of those like, mm-hmm. hey, go in and serve this ball. It's just different look. It's, it's like a different top spin yep. for boys. Right? Exactly. So I think at certain ages, they need to be at certain skill sets. Mm-hmm. So a spin serve at like Trent Mosier, he's doing a pretty good job on his spin serve. He, right. he kind of has it, you know, and took from, him a while. It, yeah, it's a really this complex year was movement. Up and down. Yeah, but a great attacker, and it, it it finally started to translate. Um, my my big thing with the with the serving is just as a, from a coaching standpoint is just routine. Too many kids go back, and it's different every time. Every time, oh god! You know, you got to get your footwork down. You got to have the same routine. You got to go slow to fast, and and they you know work the toss right. You got to make sure your toss is there. And, and um, I think the toss is the part. At all levels, right? Whether you're 13s, 15s, 16s, 17s, 18s. Can you repeat it? Always the hardest part, yeah, right? Absolutely. So training, that's huge. Okay, uh, let's move on to passing. 13s, 14s, p- basic platform work, yeah, right? Can you We're, hold your wrists and hands and keep, keep your platform straight? And then, and then, po- <laughs> right? And then posture, you gotta learn how to stand, right? Gotta learn, yeah. Um, if you don't know how to stand, you don't know how to move. Really important. And then as they move through their proficiency, we're looking at angle control footwork patterns and then finally proficiency is really understanding where the ball's coming from controlling your vision picking up earlier because it comes faster yeah. as you get older right um what are some what are some really main keys andrew that you that you focus on in training when it comes to passing you're i've, I've spent a lot of time with you on the volleyball court coaching uh you're a great passing coach um 
you, do you have time to come coach my boys at Perry this year? Some passing skills. I offered you the one. I know day you a week. did one day a week. It might be worth it. So <laughs> what? I mean, we'll talk about some maybe some of those skills that that you specifically look for when passing, and it could be early on or or more proficient, like where wherever you want to, you know, pinpoint. I think it just depends on the team. As we get as we look at younger ages, like I won't coach my 13s team the same way I coach my 16s team. With my 13s team, we're talking about. Hey, let's get ourselves under the ball. Let's make sure we're midline. We want to pass that ball high and off. With our 16 team, we're saying, let's go pass a little bit more aggressively. Let's try and shoot that ball a little bit so that we can get our offense to be more dynamic. It allows mm-hmm. our setters to be more aggressive. So it just kind of depends on the team. As you look at the younger kids, you're saying, are, are you in good posture? Are your hips facing the server? Can we midline that ball? Why can't we mid that line that ball is our million dollar question. Because most kids aren't serving a 40 mile per hour floats right. at that age, at right? That age, if they right. are good for them. But when we talk to 16s, it's more, do I have strong, aggressive shoulders? Can I, are my hips in a good spot to where I can be aggressive with the pass? Those things are so important. And you're as not you, midlining. Not yeah. midlining. Exactly. A lot of angle control at that, yeah. at that age, 16. You're passing you're a really, lot yeah. outside your midline. If you're mm-hmm. midlining, they probably laid up a ball for you and you're th- saying yeah. thank you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's awesome. I would say at 18s is when your vision is gnarly. Should that's be. when your kids' heads start moving less. Mm-hmm. Like they're that's when, when their depth they, perception becomes yep. really good. They've I mean, passed thousands, thousands of balls at this the, point. They I love watching like when when we get these gnarly guys that come into our gym. It looks like their head doesn't move, and everything else moves around their head. Right? Like JT comes in the gym, he's passing balls like up to his 10 o'clock or whatever, two yeah. o'clock. So his head's just still. Right. Wow, that's crazy. Picks it up quick. Yeah. <laughs> I, had a, I had a great conversation with Landon Fuller about that. Uh, junior, sophomore, junior outside hitter. I don't know if you reclassified with, <laughs> with COVID over at Benedictine University. He coaches with us at, at Aspire, played for us. And he talked about, he, he just, when he finally turned a corner as a passer, he envisioned this like hoop around him and and his arms were always attached to like this big hoop as, as he went so when he would swing his arms but you know he's passing like you said at two o'clock his arms still kind of stay on that plane and i think that's the vision right you see it and you know where those arms are supposed to go and you don't have to you yeah. said move your head but it was kind of interesting i i equated that to the golf swing as a golfer right you, you see some of those trainers where you get that that swing plane on the golf mm-hmm. with the golf club it's the same idea in the, in from the passing standpoint what are you looking at there no just looking. Okay. <laughs> Just making sure you didn't see anything bad. That's all. Uh, all right. Hey, let's keep, let's keep going. Settings, Settings. next. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this is, I should be the expert on this cause I have three setters in my house, but you guys actually train both of them. <laughs> so, uh, if, if, if Lily doesn't turn out to be a great setter, it's probably my fault. Cause I, I'm training I, I her did more one than lesson with her. I did one you lesson did. with her. So I'm going to blame I, you for yeah, that one lesson. That one lesson. Yeah. Um, so early on, and this is stuff that is uh, huge early on, right? 13s, 14s, footwork, trying to square to your target, ball-shaped hands, setting a hittable ball. We, pro- we progress into having a good finish, maybe working in a jump setting. Um, and then once you get 17s, 18s, and f- for girls, it's, it's crazy because the girls is a, ton a lot of faster, patterns. right? It's you a lot faster so footwork patterns. progression, right? Your foot with footwork pa- patterns and then the tempo, the progression happens a little sooner than maybe it does for boys. Um, and then even, you know, like eventually you're, you're trying to make a neutral catch every time. And that's the deception. The, yeah. That's the, the, the footwork stuff for boys. I think the boys don't understand that, right? Like my feet are going to make it so that I'm 
more deceptive as a setter, yeah. right? Like I can put my, myself in a better position. So, uh, pick a spot there, Andrew. Where, I mean, footwork, you want to go early, middle, proficiency, jump setting. At what point should you be jump setting, I guess? Pick a spot there, Andrew. What are some things as a, as a setting coach that you're kind of looking for? I think at the youngest ages, I'm just looking at contact, how they're contacting the ball. I take most of the time, I take their legs out of the equation just so that they can understand where they need to catch the ball at, where their contact point needs to be, and how they can create power from their set just from their yeah, arms. Because yeah. a lot of these kids at young ages literally just look at themselves and they're like, I need to use my legs and push this ball as far as mm-hmm. I can. But that creates bad habits, right? And right. Then, so I don't think I train most setters on a ton of footwork patterns until they're probably in eighth or ninth grade for girls. Mm-hmm. Boys probably till they're sophomores. Yeah. 16s. Yeah. Yeah. So when we get into that, though, we get into that eighth grade, ninth grade where they're pretty good athletes. Now they know they're going to be pretty good setters. That's when we start talking about pivot moves. Are we being square to the net? Things like that so that they can be really athletic towards the net rather than just I'm setting up pretty vanilla offense. And when you get these good athletes who understand it and can comprehend what they're doing and are really good about body awareness, then you can see these kids learn super quickly. They do. They pick it up fast. Boys especially. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Boys, yeah. They pick it up really fast. You spent some time with a pretty good setter this year on the 16s team. Yeah. Trent Whalen's a nice little, Trent Whalen nice playing little young up, setter. He, he's a kid that he doesn't need to use his legs. He doesn't need to use his shoulders. Doesn't need to use his elbows. He's got these huge hands. All he does is just, yeah. boom. Sometimes picking the setter is all about just shaking his, his or her hands, right? Like Absolutely. what kind of hands yeah. do you have? Little yeah. tiny baby hands don't usually equate to really good setting. I think the one, the biggest thing I, I, when I, cause we both coach girls and boys. So it's so, it's so cool to see how do we train different and how do we not train different? The biggest thing I think the boy can do that the girl can't is have a slightly higher catch point. Yeah. They're a little that stronger. Just, just, and that's about it. Other than that, they're going to be, in my opinion, the same freaking thing. And then, and then you see girls like Briley Decker, who's got that yeah, high contact exactly, point exactly. as a girl and throws all that out the window. Yeah. She could play on most boys' courts in high school, Arizona high school volleyball right now, probably. She probably could. Yeah. She's, she's, she's long. Yep, headed, <laughs> long kid. Headed, headed to BYU, going to be a cougar. Uh, let's, let's end tonight with hitting. That's a good one to end on. Yeah. I li- well, everybody wants to hit. Every, everyone. <laughs> everybody wants yeah. to be a hitter. Um, so let's, so starting early emerging, right? 13s, 14s, we're talking about approach, step, close, arm work, becoming more proficient. We're now going from just an approach to what kinds of approaches, right? Is it a three step? Is it a four step? What step are you on? We're talking about tempo, that kind of thing. Um, then you're moving into vision, being able to see not only the ball and the set or the block, things like that. And then your mastery. This is this is the stuff. That, I, I love this stuff. Um, I, I admittedly, and I don't spend as much time with the young guys as you guys do. Admittedly, I'm much better with those 16s, 17s, and 18s. Um, but toolbox and and torque, being able to just hit every shot, understand what situations you need to be in, knowing how to be, knowing that being a good hitter isn't necessarily about unloading on every ball and yeah. just hitting the heck out of it. So. Pick a spot there, Andrew. Where do you, um, what kinds of things do you look for early on? Let's go. I, I love that you've kind of been going there on every single one of them. Early on has been huge, yeah. right? Like, um, what do you, 
what do you look for early on in, as a as a hitter? And maybe does that change when you see stuff? I guess this is the million dollar question. At, at what point do you start picking positions, right? Because everybody shows up in the gym like I'm going to be a hitter. Sometimes yep. height determines it, but what kinds of skills are you looking for? Maybe that 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 change that. For me, it's a lot of it is how fast can we make their arm? And that's the million dollar question with every kid. A lot of million dollar questions today, guys. Oh, yeah. Dude, yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you that sir, a kid with a fast arm is hard to find. And then right. training the fast arm, Will knows this as good as anybody, is that it's tough to find kids who have proper arm swings to start mm. off. And you start making a relatable. Why is that? Well, you have for girls, it's like, do you play a lot of overhand throwing sports? Like the only one that like for girls right now is softball sometimes. Right. Mm -hmm. And then if they're throwing a ball back and forth in the backyards for whatever reason, and maybe tennis, maybe, yeah, tennis, yeah. but that's it's an extension, just, which yeah. makes it exactly. still awkward exactly. at times. And, and it has right. a racket. So you don't yeah. have to have a fast arm because there's that bounce coming yeah. off of it. It's yeah. crazy. How many kids, Boys throw. have never thrown a baseball. I'll get the, we'll get these new kids. And I'm like, Hey, it's just like throwing a baseball. I was like, I've never coach. I never throw a baseball. What is yeah. it like T step and throw? Right? How yeah, never, we were all taught. How have you never thrown a baseball? I was born with one in my Absolutely. hand. I threw a baseball every day. Baseball. It's Why are we just football. It's football. Th throw a football. How many of them have never done that before? <laughs> it's crazy. So, I mean, you have to make it relatable. I think for a lot of these kids, if boys, it's really easy at times. Cause you can just say, how do you throw a football? How do you throw a baseball? Yeah. All those things. I mean, we had a kid at Higley who was the star quarterback of Higley, played at Cal for a while. And he came into our gym day one, best arm swing in our gym. Sure. Yep. It was unbelievable. Balls. Oh, absolutely. 10 foot line, everything yeah. just hammering. And he's like, oh, I've only played in the, the church a couple times. And yeah. you're like, oh, this is <laughs> well, great. Before the show, we were talking about one of my old Desert Vista teams and Sean Chase came up. Baseball, yep. baseball player, played at Oregon, and catcher with a cannon. And he showed up the end of his baseball season that senior year and all of a sudden he, I, he, he had played some volleyball so he had some skill but guy had a friggin' rocket my the best outside hitter on that 2017 colin Harmon. he's a he's a he's actually a sports broadcaster for abc 15 now oh geez. Yes. yeah it's great uh he uh he was a baseball player yeah baseball player pitcher really come absolute well. cannon of an arm dylan cox dylan cox yeah baseball, baseball player, player yeah. right i mean right. It, it definitely is is the 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 hardest sport is basketball players. All they know is jump high. They don't know how to jump high and hit hard. It's different. <laughs> yeah. I remember early on with that team, that 2017, Michael Proctor, who was our, our great middle was a basketball guy. And he, he told me he was one of the things that completely changed him as a volleyball player as his club coach, put a base, uh, a tennis ball in his hand. And, and ever since then I've used tennis balls to train because the same idea, right? You, you mean, we're, arms up we're throwing that ball and it's funny to watch some of those kids throw yeah. a ball they just they don't it's they so don't, foreign for them yeah they don't understand how it works what's the first thing a kid has to learn before we can teach him to jump high and hit hard their load the way they load their arms in my explain opinion. that so getting a low load a lot of coaches old school or high load start their arms super high above their head and you, it creates a smaller window. You don't. You have to use more shoulder in your attack. There's not a lot of rotation, right? So as people have been studying it more, it's we talk about the low load, and then kind of like teeter tottering your shoulders so that you can rotate through the ball a lot more efficiently. So that's what you teach our twelves and thirteens. Teeter totter is my favorite word with them. <laughs> they know the heck out of it. So then, when do you 
when do you teach the footwork and the slow to fast and all that so stuff? So we talk about slow to fast early on. We don't talk about f- step counts except for first step tempo. We do not set fastballs or anything like that. Yeah. It takes a special team. Like my 13s, this team this year will be on first step, second step, maybe at the end of the year. When I had like kids like El Alamagora as a 13-year-old, who's one of the most intelligent kids I've ever seen in my life. Like you could teach her a, a swing block and she's elbows yeah. over the net at 13 she's years ready old. To go. Yeah, she takes it on. And the then, level. but <laughs> you, those type of things are like, okay, now we're talking about tempo, right? I would, I think if you're coaching a 14 ones team or twos team, probably at that age, you're starting to talk about second step tempos or what a quick is right. And making sure they're running a quick. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, at 13s, you don't know what's going to happen. Like, no, we, we've joked around a little bit, but also been kind of serious about like, is this kid going to be a middle her whole life? Like we have a six footer in our gym. No, is, <laughs> please. No, she's no. a six yeah. footer. And she's like, do we keep her in the middle for right now? For, for now, maybe. But like, maybe we teach her how to settle. We've had her settle yeah. a little bit in practice. We have her pass in practice. So maybe her future isn't going to be that. I it's mean, important for them to know the game. Absolutely. The I mean, yeah. you look at Avery Burks, who's a star at Perry high school right now. And she started off as a middle. And then we're like, right. by her end of her 13th year, I got some flack because I moved her to the outside. And I was like, Sorry. you're going to be an outside. She's a dot. Yeah. She's a great passer. And now she's, she's a great volleyball player yeah. on the left. It, 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 we've talked about it before about how positionless Specializing. volleyball. Like I, oh yeah. The Brazilian model. It's the best way to do it. Those, those Brazilians got it figured out. We just have to change everybody's mindset and Absolutely. Be, o- be okay with losing some yep. matches because we don't specialize at Who 13s cares if we lose at 14? 14s. But yep. who cares? Uh, moms and dads. Yeah. <laughs> when do you think a kid has mastered hitting? What do you think there's some things that they're doing that a 12 year old is like when we watch an 18 open court, what is it that they have? You know, I think at 16s for girls, you'll start seeing big changes. 17s for boys. You see the biggest changes. Yeah. That's, so then like, what is that specifically? Um, you'll see kids jumping through the ball more. You'll see them jumping into angles more rather than jumping head on. Most kids you see at this age are hitting six and one. Those are your, they're favorite. just hitting their line of approach. Yep, yeah. Absolutely. And then when you start seeing kids take their approach to five and then they can hit sharp T, they can hit deep five, they can hit deep one. That's when your toolbox is completely different. And like you look at these kids and you're like, Where'd this come from? Right. Because you can say, I mean, we remember Trent when he first came into 17s, all he hit was line. Right. He's either high line or left shoulder, I'm stuck line. Yeah. And then now it's like, oh, he can hit sharp T, seven five, sharp down the line, and you're like, oh my gosh, this kid is terrifying to play against. Yeah, once you figure it out. It's it's hard. Yeah. Well, sorry, I would say the one thing that I see when I walk over to an 18 open boys court that 17 some are doing 16 not many are doing is blasting the hands and not afraid of the hands and then doing some like cheeky you know like cutty off the the hands that's the stuff that they get you know know and to build on that it's i think that you also have the out of system play people talk about this oh yeah this is very not talked about is like yeah you look at clubs like bay to bay or certain clubs like that they're putting that ball on the net and letting them do anything with that ball. And let me tell you, we do it with our girls team at 16s. Kids don't know what to do when it's on the net. Like girls especially are like, oh my God, this girl's gonna go under and she's gonna hurt me. And we get open seams all All the the time. time. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that messed us up last year, 17s. That MVVC team did it. Oh, absolutely. 
Yeah, it's cool. We could talk about this stuff all night long. Yeah. Um, I love the, some volley the, nerds. The, the novice to, you know, master it's idea. Great. It's cool. And, and it's not age specific. It no, really no. isn't. It, I mean, in. Because you could be anywhere on the spectrum. Correct. Like Landon, yeah. we were talking about him on the way here. Landon got into the sport at 16. Yeah. So he was a beginner at 16, right, but he different. went through those levels so fast. Pretty fast, right. So fast. Well, and you just never know when hit, kids are going to hit tribe. You look at like Bobby Hennigy, who is a All giraffe. No one knows. When he first started playing volleyball, that he was a could giraffe. could not walk and chew gum at the yeah. same time. Freshman All-American, then all of a sudden now like three-time All-American for yeah. us. National champion. He did, he did it all. Yeah, it's mean, crazy. It's just a matter of when these kids are mentally prepared and physically prepared to make these adjustments. Like, there's kids like, like I said, El Magora, the first time I taught her to make a blog move, perfect form. Yeah, they perfect just get form. it. They just get it. And then there's kids you can teach for a month straight and they're still learning how to do the process and of like... Two years straight. It's good enough. Yeah. No, it's... Um, I, and I, I, I guess the, the message at the end of the night here is for moms and dads to be patient. Absolutely. Yeah. You never know when it's going to click. Be patient with your kids. You know, don't give up on them. Um, don't expect too much from them. Uh, try to, try to view them in an, in a light that is, is encouraging to them. You know, to, the negativity from moms and dads can be devastating for some of these kids. And, uh, and I just don't think our parents are educated enough to know what it's supposed to look like. And at what age am I, is my kid supposed to be doing this? And if they are behind, it's okay. Right. There's, there's such thing as late bloomers all the time. All the time. I was one of them. Right. Yep. And, and you just have to be patient because eventually you're going to figure it out. It just might not happen right away. And, um, hopefully, uh, hopefully we can, we help shed some light on that today. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And like I said, we could talk, we could keep going. We'll, we'll probably we put some people to sleep if we, if we, we could go we, through we, a million stories of late bloomer kids. And we, yeah. we have lots of those. Um, so thanks for joining us tonight. We don't appreciate your today. Do not uh, forget trivia. I already forgot the trivia. Noah, you run and end our show with some trivia. What do you this got? Is sure. Let's do it. Um, this will probably be at the beginning of the video. Um, moving forward. Right. Yeah. yeah. Not, We're just gotta be better. We know a that. lot of you don't listen to the end. <laughs> All right. Noah wants we a know segment a lot at the of beginning. Analytics. All right. What do you got, buddy? Um, uh, what was the who I guess who who was the first division two university to ever win an NCAA championship <laughs> bonus oh. points if you know the score of the first set oh my gosh what There's no that is so obscure division two so like would wouldn't you, that be a 50 this point is women's event? you're saying women's this is men's oh women's oh men's uh, Division two, a division two school. One, SB Lewis won the national championship, well, like division one national Lewis championship. Lewis doesn't have any; they're vacated. They cheated, right? Do we count vacation? Vacation. I love not, vacation. Vacation. Not vacation. I, I like vacated. vacations. I would love to go on vacation. I, I'm. Uh, it, is this in the millennium or is this in? It, just, it says first ever. So, do you don't know the year? No, oh it does not have God. the year. <laughs> It's so obscure. Loyal is a D2 school. There's no way it was Loyal the first. I don't know. They won back to back. Put your uh, put your guesses in the comments and we will we'll get it next episode. That's a good one. That's okay. a really this is a mint. So that just say the question again, just so it's who was the first division two university ever to win an NCAA championship? The men's men's the correct. Problem is, is men's. people are going to Google, right? Don't That's Google. Fine. Don't cheat. Yeah, put your don't comment. Cheat. Put your answer. If, if any of you get the set score, I know you cheated. Yeah, there you go. If you <laughs> the 16, set score was 32 14. to 30. Dang, that's tough because they might have been D2 it's then, well, it's but they're not Riley D2 scoring, now. Probably. Yeah, I could have changed it. There's yeah. a good chance before Riley could scoring, be. too. 
Well, if you know the I'll answer, just say Loyola, just because there you I go, know the D two. Yeah. I'd... All right, Ball State's my guess. Hey. <laughs> Is it Ball State D one? But they would. Sure, we don't D1, know. We right? don't know. I don't know. We. I don't. I don't know. I just threw it out there. Uh, if you've stuck around this long, we we congratulate you. Hopefully, you you can get the the, the your guess in there on the comments. Like, subscribe, follow, all that good stuff, and uh, we will see you next time. Thanks, people. Peace.